That's one of the most beautiful pieces of music in uh, recent years. And if you're looking for it, I think it's called The Untitled Hymn. Um, yeah, but it's a beautiful song. We're in John chapter 13 this morning. As we get started in this message, we're actually in the third Sunday of a series called This is Love. And so I hope that you uh, will be here for next week for the culmination of the series. We discovered in the first two weeks of our series how Jesus told his followers that if they love him, that they'll keep his commandments. And because it's so important for us to express our love to him, we've been trying to understand just what those commandments are. And so in week one, we looked at the first and great commandment, which is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Last week, we looked at the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And now this morning, let's look at the important the night before his death on the cross. So our text is John 13, and I'm going to read just two verses there this morning, and it's so short that I won't even have you stand for the reading this morning. Uh, By the time you stood up, I'd be done. So John 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And this morning we're going to look at a command called the one another commandment. And first let's pray. Father, would you work in our midst today? We thank you for the way that you each day give us the provision in our life to live for you. We thank you that the Holy Spirit of God is present in the children of God to help us to know how we should live. And so I pray that in this message today that we would connect with your truth in a very special way. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I'm sure that sometime in your life you have heard about the golden rule. Okay, no matter where you went to school, no matter where you grew up, no matter who your parents were, sometime you've heard of the golden rule. Now, sometimes people get the golden rule wrong. Okay? And I've heard people say the golden rule is, do unto others as they do to you. All right? Have you ever heard somebody the golden rule? Now, usually that's brothers and sisters in the same house, right? If she did it to me, I'm going to do it to her, but a little bit extra, right? Why would you do that to her? Because she did it to me first, right? That's not the golden rule, okay? That's not even the silver rule, right? That's not even the bronze rule. That's a bad, bad rule, okay? Just throw that one out. That's a junk rule. The golden rule is, you guys help me now, what is the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? So treat others in the way you want to be treated, okay? This is the golden rule. Now, when we hear the golden rule, we hear that terminology It kind of takes us back to what we studied last week, the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And and so both of those are kind of predicated on how do I want to be treated, right? Love your neighbor as yourself is basically saying, 
Treat your neighbor in a way that you would like your neighbor to treat you. Okay? Not treat your neighbor in the way he treated you or in the way that, you know, somebody down the street treated you. Love them the way you want to be treated. And so the second commandment agrees with all of that. But this morning, we're going to this new commandment that Jesus gave. And Jesus spoke the word. He never called those words, by the way, that we just mentioned, the golden rule. That's how many of us came to know them. But the golden rule is basically just an extension of, or the same thing as the second commandment. The level of love you give out is equal with how much you care about yourself. Right? Now that's why Jesus, he was so wise in doing this. You remember when he said, husbands, love your wives as your own body. Okay? Basically what that means is, husbands, love your wives as much as you love a slice of cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory. Right? Husbands, love your wives as much as you love your mom's pot roast. Right? I'm still not hitting the, trying to hit the right thing. Husbands, love your wives as much as you love a rack of baby back ribs. Are you getting closer? What's it going to take? Like exotic meats like ostrich and emu? Right? Husbands, love your wives as much as you love a thick American hamburger with cheese on it. Cheddar preferred. Thick slice of cheddar. And you put some of those onion straws on there too. That's pretty cool. Right? Now, what Jesus is trying to get us to understand is if we would care about our wife just as much as we care about feeding ourselves, we'd be pretty good husbands. How many women don't say amen? You don't want to get singled out, but kind of agree with that, right? And advice versus truth. So Jesus gave this premise about that we're supposed to love as we would like to be loved. But now, in the new commandment, Jesus is going to take it a step further. And he's already done this with the expectations of the day he lived in. In the Old Testament, they had this, this rule, they had this law that was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right? And basically, it extended to capital punishment. And if you gouge somebody's eye out, they're going to take you down to the town and they're going to gouge your eye out. That's pretty gruesome, right? If you kill someone in cold blood, you're going to be executed. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus, he turned that one up on its head. Because here's what he said. If somebody hits you on one cheek, even the law says slap them back, or have somebody else slap them back, Jesus said turn the other cheek. And all the people, whoa, just a second. Say it again, say it again. Jesus said it again. Somebody hits you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Okay, now it's not talking about war. It's not talking about battles. It's talking about daily life. And Jesus turned some other things on their head too. He said if a soldier, a Roman soldier, compels you to go one mile and carry his stuff, go two. Right? He said if somebody goes to the law and sues you just to get the coat off your back, give them your cloak also. And so he took these Old Testament traditions and these Old Testament laws, and he one-upped them. And he said, you've heard about loving your neighbor and hating your enemy. But here's what I'll tell you. Love your enemy. 
Bless those who curse you. And so today we begin with a superior standard. That's the first part of our message today. The notes are provided in the bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us. The new commandment was going to go beyond the second commandment. It was going to go past loving neighbor itself. Jesus asked his followers to do what he was doing and love others even more than self. And Jesus was expressing the highest form that the world's ever known. Because he's the one who offered himself for our sins. He was innocent, and yet he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And he told his disciples, if you look at the wording here, verse 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. And so he told his disciples not to love others as themselves, but to love others as Jesus had loved them. Now, think about these disciples. They were undeserving of Christ's love. They really were. Jesus called people that we would never have thought about calling religiously. Right? You think about most, most churches today. Um, they, they give these qualifications. If, if we're going to hire a new pastor, we want somebody who's in ministry for five years uh, we want somebody who's got a model marriage. We want somebody who's been uh, to a seminary or a Bible institute that's been ordained. You know, Jesus wouldn't have even met any of their qualifications. <laughs> he, he was only in ministry three years before he died on the cross. So, Jesus, you're out. You don't, it's not going to work. He never got married, right? And he never went to any of their institutes. He never went and got the stamp of approval from the Pharisees. Now, that's not saying that we shouldn't be selective when we hire people and and when we work together in the body of Christ. But what we're trying to say is that sometimes we take a model that is based on the traditions of men, and we make that what's most important. And Jesus, what he did is he turned all the traditions of men upside down and said, you know what, let's do it a different way. Love others more than you love yourself. That's beyond. That's not just a little bit beyond. That's far beyond. Right? Because when you go in territory where you say, you know what? I love you more than I love a bowl of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Right? I love you more than I love such and such. That's a superior standard. And and Jesus, he lays out this standard the day before he would lay down his life. And yet he's going to lay down his life. And these disciples knew they were undeserving. They knew that they'd been called into the Jesus ministry from being fishermen and tax collectors. Right? They knew that they were undeserving. They knew that they were unqualified. In the book of Acts, the religious crowd, when they were talking about Jesus all the time, they called them before and said, you guys need to stop talking about Jesus. And you know what they took note of? It said that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Right? You know what the root word for ignorant is in the Greek? Anybody have an idea on it? Right? It's from the root moron. Just give you that little hint. From the root moron. So they lined the disciples up in this council And basically, the religious crowd said, 
these guys are morons. That's what they said. These guys are morons. But they had been with Jesus. And so it wasn't about who they were. It's about who he is. And it still is today. It's not about who we are. It's about who he is. And the disciples knew that he was exalted. And they believed on him as Christ. But I want you to see something significant. Go back here in chapter 13 to verse number 3. And this is so unique. Look what it says. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. So right at this moment, think of this moment, Jesus knew that all authority belonged to him. He had been given everything from the Father at that moment. And what did he do? How did he respond? When he knew that he had all the authority in the world, what did he do? Verse number four. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. You want to protect yourself from a lust for authority? Follow the steps of Jesus. See, Jesus, when he knew that he had all authority, he served others. That's his model. This is the one another type of love that we're talking about today. This is why it's a superior standard. Because Jesus knew. He knew that the Father had given him all things. And at that moment, after that's expressed, he takes a towel and he begins to his disciples' feet. It's such a unique thing. We don't see that model in our world today, right? The corporate, down at your corporation, somebody, okay, we just, I got the corner office. I've been working for it for 30 years. I got the corner office. I want everybody to come into my office. I'm going to wash your feet. Not usually how it works, right? I have become the president of the United States. I want to bring everybody in. I'm going to wash your feet. Not usually how it works. Jesus set a different model on what love was going to be. And it's a superior standard. It's better than anything we could imagine. When you know you have authority and you leverage it to love and to serve others more than you love and serve yourself, then you are keeping the one another commandment. And this is why the one another commandment goes far beyond the second commandment. Second commandment's important, but the one another commandment goes past it. Now, I want you to notice another thing about this, this commandment. It's a specific set. This is the second part of the message. I want you to go back with in your mind to sixth grade math class. Okay, so this may be a ways back for some of you. Do you remember the term integers? Right? I remember this term integers. Okay, oh, boy, that's, that's pretty rough. I <laughs> thought we'd get a little more than that. The term integers. Well, integers are basically all the numbers that you think of when you count and their opposites. So like 1, 2, and 3 are integers, but negative 1 and negative 2 and negative 3 are integers as well. Right? So integers are all the, the numbers on a number line, basically. Is everybody kind of with me, sort of? 
You guys remember what a number line is? Okay, there's, it's not the ones in between. Like five-eighths, that's not an integer, right? 0.26, it's not an integer. It's all the numbers that you count with and their opposites. Now, you say, why is this important? It's going to be important in a second. So there's a set of numbers called the integers. Now, inside of that set of integers, there's another set. So it's inside of it. And it's called the set of whole numbers, Right? You guys remember whole numbers? Okay, so whole numbers, they start with zero. It's the first one. And then they go up one, two, three, four, five, and they just go to infinity. Okay, so whole numbers. That's inside the set of integers. Inside of the set of whole numbers is another set. Okay? That's the set of, they're called counting numbers. And you learn those when you're a little kid. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Right? Counting numbers. You guys remember the counting numbers? Right? As my daughter says, 11 teen. 11 teen. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 11 teen. So she's doing pretty good. She's getting closer. There, we've got integers, whole numbers, and then counting numbers. And so you kind of have these concentric circles. Do you see what I'm doing here? The sets are getting smaller. This, here's why it's important, okay? This math lesson's over. Let me give you why it's, why it's important. Here's why it's important. The golden rule is for everyone. Okay, it's the big circle. Do unto others like you want to be treated. It's how you treat strangers, enemies, acquaintances, your mother-in-law, everybody. It's the big one, okay? But inside of the set of neighbors, so come inside a little bit, is an important and specific subset. And it is the one another's. Now let's find out who the one another's are back in John 13. Look at verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So you know who the one another's are? They're the other disciples of Jesus. That's how simple it is, right? So the big circle is your neighbor as yourself. Inside of it, there's a specific set of how we're supposed to treat the other disciples of Jesus Christ. How we're supposed to treat our brothers and sisters in the family of God. The new commandment dealt with a unique group of people, believers in Christ. And one other took this thought process from the general audience of mankind to a focus on our brothers and sisters in Jesus. And it would love everybody in the same way you want to be treated. Okay, that's the, the, the second commandment. But love the family of God even more than you love yourself. Now, in another place, that's called the mind of Christ. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. And I want you to see this. Ephesians, which comes right before Philippians, says that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. Now look at Philippians chapter 2. And let's see how the Apostle Paul introduces this. Here's what he says. I'm going to start right at the top because it's important that you get the wording here, the context. 
If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, so this all stems from Jesus Christ, if any comfort of love, that's what we're talking about here today, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, now look at this, having the same love. Having the same love. Now this is the same love that Jesus had. It's the same love that Jesus expressed when he said love one another. See what it looks like in verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other, do you see what the next word is? Better than themselves. Right? So there's a comparison that's given here. We're not supposed to treat each other with strife. In fact, it tells us in the Word of God that in strife we don't accomplish anything. Strife is always caused when somebody doesn't get what somebody wants. That's always the cause of it. Vain glory is when I'm doing things so other people can see me. I don't really care about the people around me. But the love of Jesus, this specific set, this one another command, is given when we esteem other better than ourselves. And at verse 5 goes into it, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this selfless love, this humility, this serving love, this washing feet, even though you have all authority, that's from Jesus, right? The Jesus type of love doesn't come home and say, well, I'm the husband around here. I don't have to do anything, right? It doesn't make any sense anyway. Husbands would never act like that. But, but there's a stereotype in society that says that, right? I, mean, I worked all day. I don't have to do anything around here. That, that's not what husbands do. They don't act that way. They act like Jesus, right? They're, come on, I need some amens out there, ladies. If, buy some amens from you. Um, but, but husbands and wives, what are we supposed to do for each other? We're supposed to love each other more than we love ourselves, esteem each other better than ourselves, and there's a specific set that is given here. Because it's not just the husband and wife thing, it's because we're brothers and sisters within the body of Christ. And when we love God first, and we love our neighbors ourselves, and we love one another within God's family, we are keeping the commandments that Jesus gave. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So when we love others this way, we're really loving Jesus. Uh, when we love our brothers and sisters, we're keeping the one another commandment, which is part of the second commandment, which is part of the first commandment, because everything we do is to bring glory to God. So inside of the big circle of the commandment is the second commandment. Inside of the second commandment is the circle of the one another commandment. Everybody with me? We need to go back to integers. All right, we've got to go through that whole thing again. Now, did you guys remember that integers are inside of the set of rational numbers? You guys remember that? Now, do you remember the irrational numbers? We don't even go there. This is, they're really weird. All right. Even inside of there, there's a set called the imaginary numbers. That's right. What are those? Those are the ones the government use. Okay, the imaginary numbers. <laughs> Shared story is our third part of the message. Shared story. 
We've already seen that Jesus set the standard for another commandment by giving his life for others. And we're all recipients of that love. But you know, we're not just recipients of that love, we're also caretakers of that love. We're the ones who guard it. We're the ones who use it. We're the ones who are the hands and feet of Jesus' love. And what's so neat is that the vehicle for acting out one another love is already in us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a child of God, the vehicle to love one another is in you. It's already in there. The Holy Spirit of God. And instead of trying to invent a new method for loving others, we can simply live out His love in our own lives. And I want to show you this over in Galatians chapter 5. So I'll give you a second to get over there, because you really need to see this one. Uh, this is profound, and, and our life groups uh, looked at this one this morning. By the way, I've already gotten some feedback on life groups today, because one of the passages we studied was greet one another with a holy kiss. And I'm telling you what, our group was in an uproar. I was just... You know, they were just so upset as Americans that we even talk, had to talk about it. And I heard that there were other groups who got the context from people who've traveled and some who've even been missionaries, and it's such an interesting topic. But Galatians 5, I want you to look at verse number 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. So we've been called to freedom in Christ, for liberty in Christ. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So our liberty is a liberty that is guided by the love of God. Our liberty isn't a liberty that's guided by what we want to do in our carnality, right? A lot of people use liberty as this reason to sin. Like, I'm under grace, I can do whatever I want, and then I'll go to confession next week. Or I'm under grace, uh, I can do whatever I want, and then I can go to church next week. Okay? And I can sing the songs, and I can pray at the altar, and I'll be good. No, that's not liberty. Liberty in Christ is the freedom to act out Jesus' love with no bondage to sin, no bondage to the law, no bondage to tradition, no bondage to any organization. It's to love the love of Jesus. And that's what freedom is. But we go a little further in the passage, and I want you to see this. Verse number 14. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So, so Paul takes him back to the second commandment. Here's what he says now in the context of being a Christian. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Here's what Paul's trying to get him to say, to understand. When we backbite each other and when we tear each other down in the family of God, you know what we're doing? We're hurting the whole family. Right? I've seen marriages before, and I've actually, uh, when we were first married, this happened a lot, where when marriage is a competition, and, uh, you know, if the wife, my wife would say, well, I did the dishes and... Um, I did, I cooked dinner and, she, you know, just sometimes she just being nice, let me know what she did. And then I'd have to come up with my list of what I did, right? Well, I mowed the lawn and 
you know, I made sure the air conditioner still works, and I watched the Bulls game, and, you know, whatever. I have to have my list, too. So there's competition. Do you know, when couples get into competition with each other, they're actually hurting the whole relationship? What we don't understand is that when we become cannibalistic in our relationships, somebody gets eaten. That's really a gross way to say it, but it's kind of what the verse says. Right? If you bite and devour some, each other, somebody gets eaten. And you know what gets eaten the most? The relationship. And I know Christians who have dissension and discord between them, and really they're just hurting they're in the entire body of Christ. And they're hurting their own relationships. And so there, there's a contrast now we go to in verse number 16. Look what he says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, there's no believer who has any capacity for loving one another more than another believer? There's not. So I'm not going to think of it that way. Like, well, that's just his personality. And that's just the way he grew up. And he's just a very loving individual. So, you know, our capacity for loving one another doesn't come from us. It comes from the Spirit of God. And when we walk in the Spirit, we have the capacity to keep this commandment of loving one another. We're all in the same boat together. Now, this passage goes on, and we're not going to read them, but it lists all these works of the flesh. You know what the works of the flesh are? They're what we produce. The works of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit is what He produces. Look down at verse number 22 and see what the first one is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The first ingredient in the package deal of the fruit of the Spirit is love. Say, well, I just can't have any love for her. You don't know what she said about me. I can't have any love for him. Here's what he said on Facebook about me. That's us acting out what our flesh does. When we walk in the Spirit, the lust of the flesh are set aside, and now we can love people that we never thought we could love in the body of Christ because we're doing what Jesus does. We're doing what the Spirit does. And loving one another isn't a personality issue. It's a spirit issue. Through Christ, we all share the Spirit's immeasurable working in our lives. Look down further in the passage, verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Isn't that good? The, the Word of God is so illuminating on this topic. Because Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another, one to another. Love one another as I have loved you. And now Paul says, hey, this only happens through the Spirit. You can't manufacture the love of Jesus Christ through your flesh. Right? If you can't forgive somebody, it's a flesh problem. If you can't help somebody or serve somebody or care about somebody, it's a you problem. That's what the Bible is trying to tell us. And we don't like to hear it. We try to play the blame game. 
say the reason why I can't forgive him is because this is what he did to me. And if he did it to you, you wouldn't forgive him either. Right? But Jesus died on the cross for his sins too. And there's nothing that he's done to me that I didn't do to Jesus. Because my sins are the ones that put Jesus on the cross. And so we got to understand there's a shared story. We're all in this together. This is not something where we each decide how we're going to love. It's a shared thing. We share who Jesus is, and we share the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. I want to end, though, I hate to do this, but we're going to end on a more negative topic. And uh, the title is A Suspect Sincerity. A Suspect Sincerity. Now, I promise we'll, we'll end with a good word at the end, but we have to go through this part. Because Jesus set forth, you know, this commandment, the one another commandment, it carries a very high responsibility with it. And it's not something that we can or we should overlook. It's really a big deal. How big is it? Well, I want you to look over at 1 John. And we're going to see what the wording is. And I'm telling you what, there is some strong wording going on when it comes to how we care for our brothers and sisters in Christ it tells us that if we don't care for the family of God on the way we should, that we are lacking the love of God in ourselves. And so it says that everything about who we are is suspect. Our Christian character is suspect. First John chapter 1, verse number 7. And we're just going to walk through some verses in First John as we finish up today. So... If you're not there, you got time, go ahead and head that way. First John's almost to the back of the Bible before Revelation. First John 1 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's positive, right? If we walk in the light, it's natural for spiritual people to love each other. That's natural. Right? It's natural for the children of God who've been born in the family of God to act out the character of God. It's what we're supposed to do. Now look at chapter 2, verse number 3. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Now this, this is profound because this, this is how we know that we know God if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him, don't miss the middle of verse 5, because this is huge. In him, verily or truly, is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. So the presence of God's love in our lives toward other people, toward our brothers and sisters in Christ, helps us to know we're His children. Because without Jesus, we can't even have this type of love. Without Jesus, it's not even there. Look at verse number 9. And this it starts to get more serious here. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there's not occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, 
because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. If we're not showing the love of Jesus, what Jesus commanded us to do toward one another, then our entire Christian walk, our entire faith needs to be evaluated. We need to figure out where we are in our relationship with God. Look at chapter 3 now, and we'll finish up here. Verse number 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. The beginning was when Jesus said it. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother. Okay, so you're not supposed to act like Cain and kill people. Look at verse number 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we go to church. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we give to the poor. Nope. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we own a Bible. Mm-mm. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. When we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, it is the proof of life. It's the proof of salvation in our lives. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My children, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And it's showing this manifestation, this exhibition of what the love of God is in us toward each other. It's not words deeds. It's not just saying, well, I love everybody. It's acting like we love everybody. And that's what all the one another's in the New Testament are. And when you do your Bible reading, you ought to look for these one another's because there's tons of them. And anytime you see the words one and another in, in the same uh, sentence in the New Testament, you just kind of underline it and keep track of it because we're told to serve one another and forgive one another, and admonish one another, and greet one another with a holy kiss, which is not our tradition in America. We still greet each other sincerely and purely. And it talks that we should sometimes uh, edify one another, and we should rebuke one another, and we should lift up one another, and we should bear one another's burdens. And they're all through the New Testament. We're going to be doing a series on Sunday nights in April um, for families. And we would invite you to bring your kids with you if you want, but it's for parents and for kids. And we want you to come, and it's called Family 101. And all it does is it covers the one another's. That's what it covers. It covers how we treat one another and why when we treat one another the way we're supposed to, we actually have a family that works. The family of God works the same way. If we refuse to love God's children, the sincerity of our faith comes into question. If we refuse to forgive each other, our commitment to God's love is suspect. Jesus said, by this shall all men know 
that you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. Love one another as I have loved you. And that's the one another commandment. That's what it is. So we've got, we got three so far. The first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart. We've got the second commandment, love your neighbors yourself. And now we've got the third commandment, which is love one another. Now I want you to come back next week because you are going to be surprised what the fourth commandment is. I, I guarantee you, you're going to be surprised. Probably, I would say 95% of the people in this room are going to be totally surprised by what the, the next commandment is. And you've got to come next week to find out what it is. So you be here for it, and we're going to talk about it. I want you to make sure that you uh, greet our friend Mike down here. He told you last Sunday he lost his mother. And uh, the funeral is tomorrow at 11 o'clock down at Eustick Nazarene. And uh, if you can go and support Mike, please would you do that. Make sure you care for him and befriend him. You know, God wants us to find ways to love one another Indeed and in truth this week. And I want you to think about how God would have you to befriend another believer, whether it's to pray for one another or to send a message to encourage one another. Uh, maybe it's an issue we talked about today where we need to forgive somebody. Maybe it's an issue we talked about today where you need to get rid of some hatred and get rid of some gossip and get rid of some backbiting. And patch up some of the wounds that we have between us. God has a plan for every one of our lives in how we love one another. And I hope you'll focus on that. And we're going to close in prayer in just a second. Uh, don't forget the announcements we mentioned today. And I hope you'll be here tonight. Prepare your hearts this afternoon to partake in the Lord's table tonight. 5.30 service. Uh, worship and communion. And it's going to be a great service. Be here for that tonight. And then all the other announcements, sign up for uh, the chuck wagon dinner and uh, sign up for all the things that the couples uh, seminar we have coming up. And we're excited about all of that. Let's bow in prayer together. Father, we're so grateful for who you are. We're grateful for your working in our lives. And in just a few minutes when we dismiss, I pray that you would help us to begin to process how we can love each other better and more, and to do what you've called us to do as your children. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.